Welcome to Church Online. If you are joining us live, then uh, we are delighted that you have taken time this weekend to do that. If you're listening or watching sometime in the week, that's fantastic too. This is what's going to happen over the next little while. Uh, we're going to join our Rutland Campus 33 in some worship in just a few minutes. I'm very excited that we're able to do that every week. And then we're going to have a message, got our family news, and of course you've got an opportunity to give to the work of Willow Park Church that makes this possible. So we've got lots of different ways that you can get involved. But our prayer is that this weekend and this week or any time you're watching this, that you'll really feel and sense the presence of God and also hear from God. And as we jump into the Word, we really want to see lives transformed by Jesus Christ in the Okanagan Valley. So bless you for joining us and we pray that you have a wonderful time in the presence of God. Take care. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Zach. I'm the worship pastor here, and it's uh, my joy to lead you in worship this morning as well. We want to say hi to all the people from our South Campus who are joining us online for worship today as well. So welcome to all of you guys. And uh, we're going to start off with a song. Are you guys ready? Sing to the Lord. Let's do it. Here we go.
everyone, my name is Katrina and I'm the girls youth director here at the church. Here is your family news for this week. Tonight, we hope you will join us for Willow One Worship and Prayer at 5.30 p.m. at our Highway 33 location. This is such an important service where all our campuses join together for an extended time of worship and seeking the Lord. We hope to see you there. Speaking of prayer, we are starting a brand new midweek prayer gathering every Wednesday morning from 9.30 to 11 a.m. for all of our campuses. We're meeting at our Highway 33 location in the upper room. Join us as we pray for our church, our leaders, and the community. And now, let's talk about Christmas. I'm not panicking, but it's only 27 days away. <laughs> well, nothing says Christmas like the living nativity, and it's coming up quick on December 17th, 18th, and 19th. We really hope that you can step up and help us with singing, parking, tech, decorating, ushering, cleaning, and so much more. Please take a moment to sign up to volunteer today on our website or using the Church Center app. For more information on all of these things and more, please be sure to subscribe to our email updates. That's all for our family news. Have a wonderful week. Okay, so this is the part of our service where we encourage you to really prayerfully consider how you can contribute to the life and the work of Willow Park Church. What we're doing right now online in our online church and our online ministry is made possible by people being generous, just like you, following the command of scripture in the New Testament, which talks about giving cheerfully. It talks about giving generously, sacrificially. It's kind of got a pinch and also regularly. And so if you are not doing that yet, can, can I just humbly ask you to prayerfully consider how you can give to this incredible work as we, we look for ways that we can serve Jesus in our province, in our city, and around the world. So here are a few different ways that you can do that. You can do it online or whether it be regular each month, and we can answer any questions you might have about that. But thank you for making this possible. Thank you for the ways that you just, it's, it's humbling how people have continued to give in these really uncertain times. You're amazing. God bless. Reading from Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Thanks, Tim. Please take your seats. Thank you, everybody. Uh, for those of you uh, who may be new today, my name is Glenn. I'm one of the pastors here at Willow Park Church, and it's my joy to uh, be able to share the word with you this morning. Hopefully, I uh, can sneak the TV in a little bit. It's fine. I don't think it's working at the moment anyway, so I'll, uh, if it will appear in a second. All right, well, we've been working through a series in, uh, in Colossians, and we're going to look at that scripture that was just read to us by Tim. Thanks for that, Tim. 
Um, so we're, uh, it's been an interesting uh, journey as we've gone through. Oh, this is the good bit. This is the bit now where I have to compete against the login of Windows 10. Because everybody's going to be looking, okay, what's, what's going to happen? Next few is it going to appear, Drew? Going to have a general thumbs up? If not, I can just carry on without it. I'm, I'm good. All right. I'm <laughs> it's lots of, I wish you could see what I could see at the back right now. Uh, welcome, everybody. Oh, while we do that, I'm going to say hello to everybody online. Um, we've been doing a little something a bit different this morning online in that we've actually been able to join with live worship in Rutland while uh, also then having live worship, uh, speaking here. And technology-wise, that's been quite the complicated feat to get to. So thank you for all the tech team. I do not know where we would be without our tech team over the last 20 or so months. And, uh, and honestly, if the... If the uh, <laughs> it's a TV issue. See, this is where it's impossible to compete against technology. You just always, always seem to lose. So um, I'll wait for the thumbs up, and I'm just going to carry on as if all is well behind me. Is that okay? All right. Let me, uh, if you've got your Bibles, then please turn to Colossians chapter 4. Uh, it's important that you have a little look at what I want to share with you this morning, because this is, this is a really important message. Uh, it's an important message because it impacts us all in some way. It doesn't matter what age you are or where you are at in your journey. Uh, I'm excited to say to you that this has something to do with you. Uh, oh, they, they did it. They're amazing. Can I give them a round of applause? You guys are just the best. Um, really, really just amazing. Devote yourself. Okay, let's go back a little bit. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may, be an open do- God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. That's a really interesting statement for Paul to say at the back of what has really been a journey through Colossians that has said to us that above all else, we're to make Jesus number one. He is the firstborn of creation. He was the first, uh, the, the first in all things. He's preeminent. And therefore, as Christians, as a church family, as somebody who says they're a Christian, whether that's you today because you've been brought up in a Christian home and would consider yourself Christian because your family says they're Christian, or whether it's somebody who is just exploring faith, let me tell you, being a Christian is about putting Jesus first. And so at the end of this series, at the end of this book, what Paul is saying is in the light of all I've just said, Make the most of every opportunity. And then for the rest of the chapter, he lists his friends and co-workers in the gospel. People who he would stand alongside and say, we are trying to make the most of every opportunity. And isn't that what we want in our life anyway? To make the most of every opportunity. It doesn't matter how old you are, whether you would be retired, whether you're somebody who would be, uh, 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 that you would feel that you have lived most of your life, you still want to make the most of every opportunity. If you're young, if you're a teenager, a young adult, if you're in your 40s or you're just starting with your family, you want to make the most of every opportunity. It's a common longing regardless of age. One of the things that now, I'm, uh, I'm 48 years old, I'm, I'm getting closer to 50 in every waking minute, and, uh, and I'm just starting to realize more and more how much time has actually passed. 
I think I'm at that stage in life where I consider and think and, and have memories, and I just go, oh, what it wouldn't be like to go back and know what I know now and be 16 years old again, you know, and have that whole life Again, not that I have any real regrets, but there are certainly things I'd, I'd invest in Facebook and I'd invest in, you know, these, uh, these nondescript companies that, that we now know are very, very successful. And not that it's all about money, but apparently I've just shown my cards and it seems to feel that way right now. But um, one of the things that's enjoyable about, how many things that's enjoyable about having teenage and young adult children is that we want to introduce them to the movies that meant so much to us and me as I was growing up or as I was a, a young adult. And, and movies that just seem like were only made five minutes ago, when you actually start looking at the dates of these movies, it's shocking. For example, one of my favorite movies that every pastor and preacher spent every waking sermon referencing to at the time was Braveheart. And, and, I, and I looked at Braveheart. Braveheart was made 20, almost 27 years ago, in 1995. I asked my son on the way down to church this morning, Jack, who is 16, what, what feels like a long time ago to you? How many years would feel like a long time ago? Do you know what his answer was? I don't want to embarrass him because he's 16. He said, four years ago. Four years ago. I'm like, four years ago just seems like that to me. Braveheart, 27 years ago. The classic, Dumb and Dumber. I remember Sarah and I uh, being newly married, watching this, just crying laughing in a movie theater, realizing that no one else in the movie theater thought it was nearly as funny as we did. But, you know, who cares? We were married a year at that time, 1994. Dumb and Dumber. That's just 28 years ago. Home Alone. Any guesses? 1935? Sorry, Dylan, a little bit. <laughs> Good guess, but <laughs> you're actually not. You know, how, many, how many, what year do you think it was made? Just 1990. 1990. And then Ghostbusters, we just watched the latest one. I'm not going to say anything about it. But the original Ghostbusters, 1984, 37 years ago. 37 years ago, and they just seems like five minutes ago to me. And I've said many, many times in this pulpit, and I know many of you have written this down more than uh, anything else probably that I've ever said, but gravity always wins. Amen? The looks. Things sag and lag and bag in ways that we don't predict, and that the movie stars of the day now don't look anywhere near as good looking unless they've had lots of work, and even then... And things that you just feel like age and time and years always, always win. That life just doesn't last. And the Bible echoes this. Remember, we're talking about making the most of every opportunity. The Bible echoes it. There's a scripture in James. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's encouraging, isn't it? If you read Proverbs, you'll find it over and over again about how short life is. That literally, this word mist is like a vapor. It means, in the Greek, it means this. That's your life. And I think when you're younger, when you're a teenager, when you're a young adult, 
understandably, you just see all of life stretching out in front of you, and you feel, and this is good, you feel invincible. You just feel like, man, this is just, there's just so much to do, but I've got so much time. And then you get to about 50, and you go, hang on a second, life is really rapidly going. Now, I don't want to depress you all, because you know all this. A preacher always tries and finds common ground. This is easy common ground. We, we, you know, I don't want to stand up here and go, hey, you're not going to live for very long. Amen, God bless you, have a great week. That, that's not good preaching. That's not what the Bible is about. But what the Bible is about is about making every opportunity significant. So a few weeks ago, I designed myself something called um, 4,000 weeks. You might have heard this term. I think I might have done 5,000 weeks um, and it's, it kind of hit the internet a little while ago, and the idea was is that you have a chart that shows, some of you will be horrified at this. It was really interesting when I put this up on the wall in my office at work. The people who came into my office and were immediately engaged and thought it was awesome, and then there was another group of people that came in my office, looked at what I'm about to show you, and went, oh, no, I don't like that. And I did this myself, and so for a small fee of $50, I'll make you one of these, um, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And then each of these dots is a week of my life. Whew. I'm halfway through. If I live to about 96, which is 5,000 weeks, you went all very quiet then. Along the side, and you can't really see this, are significant moments. In the middle of this kind of light bit, there's a little S. That's when I met Sarah. And it's up here somewhere. And then here, you can't see it, is another S. That's where we got married. That's the actual week that we got married. The first dot is when I was born. And we're moving through. And then along the side of my kids. And then this WPC, that's when I came to Willow Park Church on the left. When you see it visually, it causes you to do what you just did. Ooh. That's kind of... That's kind of impactful. Some people come to my office and go, oh, that's amazing. Other people go, I don't want to look at that. Because immediately what happens is, is we actually start considering what this scripture says in Psalm 90, which is what's written on the top of it. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And what it's doing is, is pictorially, that image is actually teaching me to number my days. To realize that the life that I have been given is precious, but it is limited. And I don't know, and this is where it gets really depressing, sorry, but I die on one of those dots. In these white dots here, I cease to live. My last breath will be in one of those dots. In the black dots, I've had all sorts of things that I'm really proud of. And I've also had some regrets, things that I've sought forgiveness for, that I've confessed, and I've looked to the Lord to help with. But what it does is it causes me to think, how do I make the most of every opportunity? Now, let me give you a little bit of a, a, an insight as to what's going to happen over the next few minutes. I'm not going to give you a self-help talk. I'm not going to give you a motivational preach. I'm not going to do what the world does and just say, look, you are empowered to do anything you want. You can set your mind to because it's all rooted in what you can do. I'm not going to do that because it's not true. What I am going to do is I'm going to show you that through the power of Jesus Christ, that you can make the most of every opportunity. And if the Lord decides to take me in one of these dots that feels really close to the colored in ones, that's okay if I make the most of every opportunity. So here's where we're going to go. 
if there's something in there, in something in your life that you have yet to do, but you intend to do, when is it that you intend to do it? What phone call do you need to make? What reconnection do you need to have? What forgiveness do you need to seek? What event? What, and you see, this is what our world does. When we think about teaching us to uh, gain a heart of wisdom, we make it very, very self-focused. We look at the time we've got left, and we make it all about me, mine, and myself, and ours. I'm going to go and experience this. I'm going to go and jump off that. I'm going to go and look at this. Whereas the Bible actually says, no, actually, that's foolishness. There's a way of living life with wisdom. Because the fact that this scripture points out wisdom shows that there's a way of not looking at life wisely, but actually living foolishly. You know, the most powerful word in that statement for me, when I consider and meditate on it, is the word our. Friends, Corporately, this is why Paul in this last chapter refers to a whole bunch of his friends and co-workers. These are our days. History is going to look back at these days and they're going to be our days. Not just your day, our days. Jesus refers in Matthew chapter 24 to the days of Noah. These are our days. This day is our day. What we choose to do with it for the corporate and city and national good is what we're going to get judged on in history. These are our days. And it's a significant word because we have this opportunity to make the most of every opportunity, Paul says. In fact, he couches it and he says, pray, live wisely, be watchful, be alert, make the most of every opportunity. So this begs the question, in those white dots of your life, What does it mean to make the most of every opportunity? What does it mean to live wisely? What does it mean not to be a fool? Is it possible to waste a life? As I've said, our culture would say, you know what? Make life terminate on you, yours, and those around you. Fulfill your life significantly by being everything you want to be. Do everything you want to do. You know, if you want it, you go for it. And it becomes incredibly self-centered. Unbelievably. So our culture's view of living a successful life, living wisely, making the most of every opportunity, is based on what can you get out of life. And while that's okay to a certain extent, God has given us this planet. He has given us good food. He's given us good drink. He's given us beautiful views, amazing people, so that we can laugh hard. We can enjoy. We can experience. We can feel the grass between our toes. We're visceral people. We want that, and that is a good thing. And God, in his grace and his love, has given that to everybody, even those who hate him. He still gives that. It's called common grace. Those are good things. Go and experience life. Go and ride that thing. Go and jump off something. If you want to do that, that's awesome. But if that is the total culmination of your life, you're living foolishly. It's that plus something else. Think of it this way. It's yes to that, but have a bigger yes as well. Yes and yes. Yes, I'm going to live my life in such a way that those blank dots are filled with fantastic experiences for me, myself, and mine. Brilliant. But 
bigger yes to really what I've been put on this planet to succeed and fulfill. The opportunity that has been placed before me. See, wisdom, that word wisdom, that word, that heart of wisdom, really the bigger yes lies in that word. What is your bigger yes? And Paul makes it corporate. If you read through the rest of the chapter, you'll see the corporate nature of this bigger opportunity. So he doesn't look, he looks at himself, we're going to see that in a second, but he also looks at us as a, as a grouping, as a church. The God is, it's the family of God. You're in family. We're a body together, church friends. We're in this together. That's part of your bigger yes. So you running off and doing all the experiential things is beautiful, but there's something more ultimate, something more beautiful that you'll miss out on if you only focused on that. So wisdom lies in the bigger yes. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is David. And there's a good chance that we're praying through it right now um, that we're actually going to do a series in February, March kind of time about the life of David. I've never preached through the life of David, and so if we do end up doing that, I'm, I'm really excited to do it. But David is a fascinating character, and you'll, if you know the story well, in 1 Samuel, um, then there's this, there's this time in Samuel's life where he's called to go to, and I'm, I'm going to skip through a lot of scripture and just paraphrase it to you. He basically goes and he looks for the next king of Israel, and so he goes to a certain place, and a certain tribe, a certain family, and then he lines up all the sons of this family, and he gets to the end, and God said, no, it's not this person, it's not this person, he's not the king of Israel, he's not the king of Israel, and then Samuel's like, to, is there anyone else? And David is looking after sheep. He's about 13 years old, 12, 13. So those of you who are a teenager, listen up. He's 12 or 13. He comes down and Samuel, when Samuel turns up, everybody leans in. Everybody is Quakers. He is the voice of God, as we heard from uh, Courtney. He is the prophet of God. And as soon as he sees David, Samuel knows, God says, this is the king, anoint him as such. And so the Bible tells us he gets anointed from his foot, down, sorry, from his head to his foot, and the Spirit of God rushes on him from this day forward, it says. He is now the future king of Israel. What's his first act as king of Israel? Go back to the sheep. And so now he's looking after sheep, hearing all that Samuel has said to him, this anointing, this new citizenship, if you like, this new direction in life, this new trajectory. And he's looking at the sheep and he's probably going, hang on a second, where's the connect here? I should be in a palace. But anyway, time goes on and his dad says to him, look, the Israel is now at war against the Philistines. And now you know this story, David and Goliath. And Goliath is the champion of the Philistines and he's literally stood in a valley declaring war against the Israelites to say, look, you choose a champion, you come, that champion come and fights me as a representative of the Philistines, and if you lose, then you are our slaves forever. But if you win, then we also will be your slaves. So who is it? And day after day, Goliath is in the valley, and he's declaring, and he's obscenities about God and the God of Israel, and it's just horrendous stuff. Meanwhile, David's looking after sheep. One day, his dad says to him, look, take them. You can read it. It actually says this. You take these cheese sandwiches, I love the Bible, to your brothers who are fighting. Off David goes. He's just a young teenager. Now he's got, he's got cheese butties, as we'd call them in Britain. And he's, got, he's going to go and find his brothers. He finds his brothers. 
and he sees and hears Goliath, and he starts causing a bit of a disruption. Remember that. You can, I can imagine, the Bible says that David was a good-looking lad, and he was obviously full of energy and like, oh, he must have been a bit annoying. You know, one of those kids that, yeah, oh, he's got something, this kid, David. So much so, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the man. This is David. David's going around the army, talking to everybody with his cheese buddies. What's going on? Who's that? Why is Goliath saying this? Why isn't anybody doing anything? Have you heard what he's saying? He's, he's pulling down our God. Why isn't anybody doing anything? So Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when David spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled, typical big brother, against David. And he said, why have you come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You see the dig? Where are your sheep, David? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. This next statement is one of the best sentences, in my view, in the Bible. And it is best read, you're not going to hear me say this very often, in the King James Version. This is David's response. What have I done now? What have I now done? Is there not a cause? The word there, that word, other translations say, can I not ask a question? It literally means this righteous indignation. Is there not a reason to speak? Is there not a reason for me to speak? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for us to start asking questions? Is there not a reason for us to make the most of every opportunity? You see, David sees the opportunity of this champion Goliath standing on behalf of that nation. And he's asking, why is no one actually making the most of this and actually facing Goliath? Is there not a cause? And as you know, the story goes on, and I'm not going to go through it all, but David eventually is the one that runs at Goliath, beats Goliath, and then Israel rise up and they follow David as they seek after the rest of the Philistines. You know the story. But I can tell you this, is that David ran after Goliath because he had a reason, he had a cause, he had an opportunity that he wanted to make the most of. He ran for a reason. Friends, can I tell you? We have a reason to run. We have a reason to make the most of every opportunity. And it's more than seeing beautiful views or going traveling or fishing for the rest of our lives or whatever it is that our view of retirement might look like. The things that we feel like we deserve. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter your age. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. You have a reason to run. The run looks different at different stages of our lives. But we're all running for the same cause. The last few years, Kelowna has seen a growth that is now placed as in the fourth highest growth rate in Canada. The median age in Kelowna is now 45 years old. That's just a little more than a millennial. So millennial Gen X, that's the median age in Kelowna. We're just shy of 200,000 people who would call Kelowna their home. So here's some pastoral observations, and some of you will know this because you live in this world, and you have this neighbors, you, have, you know what I'm about to say is true, but here's some pastoral observations of the people who live in Kelowna. You have a people who are lonely, who feel disconnected, who want community but have no time for it. You have people living in debt, who love the stuff and are buried, are buried by the burden of keeping up with the Joneses. The majority of people in Kelowna are living a one and three-quarter lifestyle. 
What that means is, is their lifestyle is three quarters more expensive than what they can afford. That they have kid or grandkid tension. You'd be amazed at the number of people who are looking after their grandkids like they're their kids because their children are unable or too busy. That life is consumed with giving their children the best of everything, both possessions and opportunities. They want to do better than their parents did, raising children who are happy, moral, and set up for professional success. This puts them under tremendous pressure to spend time, energy, money, and avoid boundary setting in the hope their children don't go astray and will still flourish. Self-medication is through the roof, technical term. Sex, drugs, alcohol, pornography, overworking, fitness, new leisure seeking is just the new norm in Kelowna. And we know this to be true. The youth struggles, material possessions, experiences, and freedom have not successfully taken the place of good parenting, support, and love. Drugs, drink, partying become the focus for many. Depression, anxiety, eating disorders, addiction, and often suicide are the new norm. Marriage tensions, after discovering that their spouse can't actually fulfill their deepest needs, the initial attraction has faded. These are just pastoral observations. Raising the children is what holds them together, and they are often waiting for the kids to get older so they can move on and find somebody new. You and I both know people in our lives that that stands true. And there's no judgment. It's just the reality of the community and the culture that we're in. That's our Goliath, friends. The de-churched, interested in Jesus and spirituality, but many have yet to meet a Christian that is happier and more fulfilled than them. Let me say that again. But many have yet to meet a Christian that is happier and more fulfilled than them. They are somewhat turned off by grandma church. Fitness and healthy eating and socializing have become the replacements. And then transitional living. This is an interesting one. I was thinking quite a lot about this. This generally seeking or in some sort of transition. A new home, new kids on the way, new job, new friends, new business, new schools, new toys, new experiences. Something new. Something just on the edge of the horizon that I'm hoping will bring me the answer that I'm looking for. To sum all this up. Kelowna is experiencing deepening trouble, increasing tension, and constant transition. That's our cause. That's our opportunity. That's our reason to run. We have a bigger yes. So when Paul says make the most of every opportunity, we ask the question, what is the opportunity? The opportunity like David is stood in the middle of the valley, just like Okanagan, there defying the name of the Lord, and we feel like David. We feel like this 13-year-old kid with cheese butties in hand going, we can do something about that. And what does the culture do? Laughs. Why don't you just go back to your sheep? Really? You honestly think that you have an answer to the Goliath? But friends, we have to make the most of every opportunity. We have to examine our lives. We have to set our priorities. We have to number our days. And we have to see that these are our days. This is our moment. And history will judge us on it. Look again at this scripture. This is a worrying scripture because I think it beautifully describes where many Christians find themselves. And it is this. For you have come down to see the battle. 
And everybody says, what battle? You just sat on the side of the valley. You're looking at Goliath. Somebody ought to do something about all that. Somebody needs to go and sort that out. Well, not me. <laughs> I'm sat on the edge of the valley looking after my kids. Not me. Somebody needs to do something for my neighbors. Somebody needs to do something about that problem. Pastor, we need to do more of fill in the blank in order to deal with this issue. Let's get to battle. Woohoo! And these people are dressed for battle, ready for battle, probably singing battle songs. They know how to battle. They might have battled in some time in their history. But in that moment, they're sat on the edge of a valley criticizing somebody who's willing to do something. I was so convicted. Is that me? Am I a liar in this scenario? Am I a liar? And my concern is that we think we are fighting. We think that we're making the most of every opportunity because we're looking at great views and traveling to great places and filling up our TFSAs. I'm speaking to myself. Do I feel like I'm making the most of every opportunity if I'm fulfilling the success paradigm that my culture has given me? Or am I making the most of every opportunity that the Lord has presented before me, not just as a pastor, but just as a dad and a husband and a member of this community that has a message that will actually bring Goliath down? And my concern is that I'm the one thinking we're fighting. I think that we're running while all the time... I'm sitting. And what a message we have to run with. Because friends, I can promise you this. It takes one David to start running for others to follow. Because if you read this beautiful scripture, you'll find that when David starts to run, and after he's killed Goliath, the, the army actually stand up and run after David. Now David's their leader. David's their champion. And there's so much I can pull out of that story. And when we get into David's, I, this is just like a, pre, uh, a preface to what hopefully I'll share more of in, in the new year. There's so much in this story. But young Christian friend, listen to me. I've said this before in this pulpit. I'll say it again. That the generation above you, the older generation, is waiting and ready to follow you. Because you are the ones, and this doesn't give us the Eliab's excuse just to sit, oh, well, the young people need to do it. But young people don't ever look at the age and say, I can't. God looks at your cheese butties and says, yes, you can. Because if God is for us, then who can be against us? The Goliath that this church is facing right now is we may only have months left in this building. So what are we going to do about it? Because, you know, there may come a point when we have to open those back doors and there'd be two containers sat out there in the deep snow and it's 6.30 in the morning and a group of people in here setting up church so other people can come and enjoy it. Well, somebody ought to do something about that. Now, those are just chores, but I, I, I'm, I'm rallying calling and saying, look, it might be that we have to do church differently in order to be the one that runs against Goliath. 
that it might be that we need to raise the bar of what volunteering looks like at Willow Park Church South. It means that we raise the bar on what giving looks like at Willow Park Church. We raise the bar on what volunteering is. We raise the bar on what it means to share our story with our neighbors and our communities. That we raise the bar on what it means to actually run for the reason that God has given us to make the most of every opportunity. It takes one David. It takes one small church in the back end of Kelowna to make a difference in this city. What a message we have to run with. So Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful and pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message. This is an amazing statement for Paul to say. Remember that David, make the most of every opportunity, the reason to run, the opportunity that God has given us. And it's an exciting opportunity. But look at what Paul is saying is the opportunity, the the run, if you like. He says, open a door for our message. Paul is nearing the end of his life. He's sat in a jail. He's been shipwrecked, stoned, beaten with rods and with lashes. He's, he's been uh, at sea a couple of times. He's, he's been left for dead. He's been, he's been bitten by uh, snakes. He's had all this happen in his life. If there was ever anybody who has the right to go, you know what? I'm retiring. I'm done. You guys are younger, better at it, not in jail. You do it. Off you go. I'm just going to sit back just take a breather. But look at what he says. Pray that an open, open a door for our message. Because these are our days. Open a door. New doors. He was constantly looking for new ways to do more. He has every excuse to say, I'm done. And that might be you this morning. I'm done. I'm tired. I, life has been difficult. Or, I'm done. I, I had a successful business. I had a successful career. I'm comfortable financially. I'm done. It's time for somebody else to do stuff. That is not Paul's paradigm at all. Retirement doesn't come into Paul's mind at all. Does it look differently? Well, yeah, because he's sat in a jail. It's no cruise ship. Uh, nothing against cruises. Don't, please don't email me. I'd love to go on a cruise right now. That'd be amazing. But... He's like, just that we need more opportunity, more opportunity. You know, one of the hardest things for me as a pastor, and for those of you who know me well, you understand why this is difficult for me. I'm very task-oriented. I did strength finders and everything else. It's all futuristic, strategic. It's like goal-oriented. That's just the way God has wired me. And then in his great sense of humor, he called me to be a pastor where the job is never done. It's never done, because there's always somebody else who needs to hear the good news of Jesus. There's always another building that we have to find. Just found a new one for Lake Country, now we have to find one for the mission. It's always something else. There's no line drawn, we're done. There's always something else. But the exciting thing that is that we can align ourselves with what Paul is saying. There's always more open doors to push. I am so proud of what you Willow Park Church family have enabled us to do over the last 22 months. 21, 22 months. For those of you who knew when we had to shut church down on the Thursday, we started online church on the Sunday. It was not great, but we did it. 
Those of you who have been around for the last 22 months will know that if there's been a sniff of a possibility of us doing something, we've done it. We did not sit back and wait. We pushed ahead and we opened doors. We had other churches calling us saying, how are you doing it? I'm not saying that from a point of pride, although I am proud of the team. But if we could open, we opened. We can do this month, and we did this much. If we did that much, we could do that much. We did online church. We did church on lawn. It was my idea. Um, it was catchy at the time. Now it just sounds sad. But <laughs> as I say it publicly. Um, we did church online. We did church on lawn. We did Zoom church. We did this. We did that. At one point, we had so many Zoom gatherings going on that we literally, every time you go on our Zoom account, there was something you couldn't get in. It was like somebody was doing something. We just went, we Zoomified. We did everything. We opened as soon as we could. The strain on the team was huge. They dreaded staff meetings when I would sit down with Phil and go, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. And they'd go, okay. Can I tell you, when you are constantly pushing for an open door, as Phil has said, we have never been on maintenance. We've always been on mission. Can I tell you, that is bad for the budget. As somebody who looks after the budget in my wider role, it's bad for the budget. We're stretched. We've had new people coming into the church. We have new ideas. We have new visions. We're starting new. Uh, we've just found a new building for Lake Country. It's all new, new, new. The old church way of doing things has gone. The new church way of doing things is here. And it's bad for the budget. It's bad for volunteers. It's bad for the staff. That sounds really uplifting. But the good news is, is that God has given us an opportunity to push open a door. But we need your help. We need your help. Because the other thing that's really interesting about this is that Paul takes personal responsibility that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. See, Paul in his writing has told us that we've all been given a specific ministry, something specific to you. These are your days. These are the days of put your name there. Because while you woke up this morning, you have a place to play, Christian friends. You have people in your life, places that you go to, positions that you fill, and practices that you do. Whether that practice be on the hill, or whether it be on the lake, or whether it be in what other leisure you do, God has given you people, places, positions, and practices. I came up with that. I should dot com. Um, They've been placed in your life so that you can make the most of every opportunity. But I am appealing to you, if you call church south your home, or if you think south is your home, then you need to be warned. We are all about Jesus, and we're all about pushing open doors. We do not sit back and wait. We continually are on mission, and that is not great for a budget if it's designed for just hoarding money. We are spending money on ministry, and we need your help. For those of you who give on a regular basis, thank you. I want to encourage you to really pray and consider whether you could increase your monthly giving by at least 10% by the end of the year. That is not much in the grand scheme of things, but it makes a great impact to our budget. It means that we can continue being on mission. So if you give on a monthly basis, thank you. Your regular sacrificial giving is amazing and enables us to do what we're doing. But would you consider giving an increase of at least 10% by the end of the year per month? The impact it will have on our budget is enormous. As you consider where to give your end-of-year gifts before Christmas, then please prayerfully consider giving it to Willow Park Church. 
It is not just about our buildings. It's about the people that we support overseas. It's about the people we support in our city. It's about opening the doors of our church and allowing thousands of people to come in from places that are flooded and broken. We are able to do these things because of the generosity of people who call Willow Park Church their home. And if you have been coming for a while and you've not yet given, then please pray to give to the family. Your family needs you. For those of you who've been around the church for the 11 years that Sarah and I have had the joy of leading Willow Park Church South, you know this is not comfortable preaching for me. But I believe in this church so much that we need the help of people who are going to be generously writing checks and increasing their monthly giving on a regular basis. We need that. We need the people who give a small amount to consider giving every month. If you don't give every month and you just give every now and again, then the smallest amount. We have people who give on a monthly basis such small amounts, and it humbles me. It's amazing. Because they're committing. Come what may, I'm going to support my church family. It's a time for us to really consider making a difference. I'm doing this because what we are planning on doing, what we're engaging on doing. I hope you made some of the uh, recent church meetings and the reports of the things that we're doing, that the amount of time and energy that people have given to Willow Park Church, it's amazing. So don't hear this from a shame on you perspective. It's a, you're incredible, we can do more. Just like Paul is saying, let's keep going for more. Let's keep going for more. And then as I finish... There's a really interesting statement here that Paul makes, for which I am in chains. See, Paul looks at his present circumstance, and what he does is he points to Jesus. He looks at the negative, and he says, how can I make much of Jesus in the negative? And we can look at our lives, the negative and the positive, and say, why has God allowed this to happen in my life? What opportunity does it give me to share my story? And some of you have been through the most difficult times in your life. Can I encourage you? That story has been given to you to share. The difference between somebody who just attends a church and somebody who's engaged in a church are five things. An engaged person, an engaged church family member, attends regularly, first of all. Doesn't just attend, because there's another four. The attender just attends. Doesn't give, just comes along. But the engaged person attends. Secondly, the engaged person gives. Thirdly, the engaged person prays. Fourthly, the engaged person shares the story of Jesus to those who are around them and shares the story of the church to people who are around them. And fifthly, the engaged person serves. I tried so hard to make that an acronym that we could remember. And it was just like, it just couldn't make it happen. No amount of thesaurus or, um, or, or synonyms would make it work. Attend, pray, give, share, serve. Apagagasus. That's as good as I could get. That's an engaged person. To look at our lives and say, how can I use what God has given me to make much of Jesus? For such a time as this, these are the days of, they're our days, to make the most of every opportunity. To ask ourselves difficult questions like this. God has prospered me, and trust me, we are prosperous compared to the majority of the world. That God has prospered me and arranged my success to make much of Jesus. 
Am I using it for that? Is my first priority, the whole of Colossians is about prioritizing Jesus. Are we prioritizing Jesus in the way that we attend, give, serve, pray, and engage and serve in our community and share our story? Am I prioritizing Jesus, the firstborn of creation, that he put us first? Do we place him first? Do I look at my success and my prosperity and let it terminate on me? Or do I look for ways in which I can share it and make much of Jesus in every way? And God has done amazing things in this church, and he's only just getting started. There are new people to reach. There are new lives to see change. There is new brokenness to heal, and there are new cities and nations to be transformed. Our vision is to see lives transformed by Jesus Christ in the Okanagan Valley with a big parenthesis and the rest of the world. If I could share with you what some of our vision is for our online church, I don't want to do it until we've really got it packaged well, but I tell you, it's amazing what we're planning on doing with the online church. And if we can just start giving towards that, we'd see amazing things. The faith and the sacrifice of the handful of people who planted this church over 50 years ago, many of whom you don't know, It's amazing in a position like mine where I can sit and chat with people about the history of this church. They prayed fervently. They acted wisely, as the scripture says. They stayed alert. They sacrificed in ways that is humbling. I don't want to embarrass them, but I thought of a few people who I can think of in this, who've been around this church for a long time, maybe not right from the beginning, but I think of um, Arnie and Louise. Are they here today? Arnie and Louise have just, just an amazing, they're the ones who have started coming to the church recently, been in Willow Park Church for a long, long time, serve faithfully. Think of Laird, I know Laird's here, Laird's here every week helping. Laird has been here for years. I'm thinking of these shoulders on which we stand and see hopefully further than they ever saw, but their faith, their sacrifice is why we exist today. Ken and Lorraine have started coming recently. Ken and Lorraine, Ken is the brother of Doug. Is Ken and Lorraine here today? So Ken and Lorraine was on the board, Ken was on the board years ago, and I found out, I I met him for the first time just a few weeks ago, and he told me that he was on the search committee that put me into place 10 years ago. And the list goes on. And the question is, will this generation... Will the people who are seated around you and I, will we offer ourselves and what we have to God for what he wants to do next at Willow Park Church to make the most of every opportunity? Because I know for sure that God has brought you here to be a part of this. And it's exciting. But I'm calling us to arms. And it might just be a cheese butty. We can do this. I really, really believe that God has brought you here to be part of this. And I'm excited. I'm gonna, we're going to sing a song, and it's a beautiful, is, it, is the word anthemic, or did I just make that word up? Oh, it's an anthemic song. It's a song that joins us together. It's almost like a, a beautiful battle cry. And I didn't know that Sarah was choosing this song when I was speaking. She didn't know what I was speaking on this morning. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to sing this song together, but I want you to do it thinking, am I making the most of every opportunity? Is there a way that I could increase? 
that I could do more, that I could serve, that I could volunteer, that I could get involved in the chores of the Sunday, but also is there a group I can connect with? Can I increase my giving? We can do this, church. I really, really believe that if God is for us, then who can be against us? We can see lives transformed. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Lots to think about. Lots to be thankful for. What was it? I've forgotten the first line now. In Christ alone? Oh, yes. In Christ alone. (laughs) I just knew it was good. In Christ alone. So here's the thing. When we're singing with face masks on, where is my face mask? We ask to sing extra loud. But I tell you what I've noticed, though, I don't know if you have, is when you sing with your face mask on, I sound good. I sound way better than I do without it. So let's sing, let's consider, let's examine ourselves. Let's make the most of every opportunity. Amen.